Welcome to Doing Theology, Thinking Mission, where we talk about the biblical text in cultural context. Welcome to Doing Theology, Thinking Mission. This is Jackson. Hey, it's Carrie. We have a unique, special guest today. Carrie, I'll let you introduce her. Sure. My friend here is Mina. We met, I guess, a few months ago. She is a student here at ASU at Arizona State, and she has recently moved here from Afghanistan. So what we wanted to do today is hear a little bit about how she got to America, how she got to Arizona, but then move into what it is that she sees as a future for her people. She's got a fascinating story, not only personally, but also her her people. She's a part of, min- of a, a minority group. Um, we wanted to give her a chance to share her story with us and for us to be able to ask some questions to make sure that we are clearing up any kind of misunderstandings in the far-off possibility that the U.S. news is maybe not giving us all of the information. So, Mina, thank you for coming and hanging out with us today. Thank you for having me. By the way, I I hear a little sarcasm in your voice that maybe (laughs) we are not getting the whole story. Maybe (laughs) we are not getting the full story. (laughs) Hopefully we can get the whole. (laughs) I would like, Mina, I think you'll be, uh, do a really good job of giving us a full picture. Can you just start with giving us a very, you know, quick summary of how it is that you got to Arizona? Yeah, um, so I'm from central part of Afghanistan, a province called Bamiyan. I raised, I born and grew up there. Um, I went to a mixed gender high school, which wasn't very normal in Afghanistan. Usually um, schools are separated for different gender. Mm -hmm. Boys and girls go to different schools. Um, but um, I went to a mixed gender school. It was not because um, it was an advantage or something, yeah. but because there was lack of resources for school, and the school was the school the school for girls was uh, far away from my home, mm-hmm. so I went there. Um, yeah, and then I went to Kabul University. I got accepted to Kabul University after um the passing the national exam that called Concord for like all over Afghanistan so I went there and studied Russian language and after that I uh, um, got an offer from Asian University for Women and there was a certain process that I, we need to go through I applied basically for the scholarship and I, I got accepted in different stage of passing um, the exams so I went to Asian University for Women from 2017 2020 and in 2020 uh, when the COVID um, started the COVID pandemic started I went back to Afghanistan because the university was in Bangladesh right yes okay yep. yeah the university was in Bangladesh Asian University for Women is in Bangladesh Chittagong so I went there um so after we came back to Afghanistan because of the COVID hit um uh, we remain in Afghanistan and, and continue studying way online with a lot of us um obstacles that we had. So um, after we went back to Afghanistan and uh, we continue studying way Zoom and the classes was um online. Um, 
in things happened rapidly different in Afghanistan and the situation got worse and worse. We did not ex- expect that would happen. So fast, right? So fast, yeah. yes. It was so fast. And we had um, COVID pandemic um, plus on the um, attacks on the provinces got increased and there was the peace negotiation going on uh, and the, basically the country was in a chaos and we kind of got the sense that it's gonna go to somewhere but we did not hope that the, the government would fall down and the Taliban would take over um, the Afghanistan um, and the US uh, would withdraw the military from Afghanistan it all happened so quickly that we did not expect um, all of this to happen. Um, so our university decided to um, get us back to Bangladesh. And they tried whatever they had in their hands, but uh, things were, uh, happened very quickly. And so, and no one expected that the government, they, like the president would run away right? and the government would collapse and the Taliban would take over everything. Yeah. So I was in Bamiyan with my family before um, the fall of Kabul. And um, around two days before that, me and because uh, every province was uh, falling into hand of the Taliban. And we were, uh, there was different um, stories that they want to like get girls um, out of like their homes and they would make their wives and they would like, um, think horrible things would happen to girls, and my family was so worried about it. And they, my family, um, sent me and my sister to Kabul to stay there. That is the last place that fall down to hand of Kabul Taliban. They exp- they thought that um the Kabul would be the last place that would fall into the hand of Taliban. So, um, me and my sister went to Kabul before two days before um, the fall of Kabul there we stayed in my aunt's house and yeah um when the um so Bamiyan was one of the last province that um uh, fall down into hands of the Taliban and it was exactly in the same day that was with the Kabul in 15 August my family was in Bamiyan and um, because my dad was there and he had his own issue and he had um, um, a lot of fears that the Taliban would come and some of the mafia groups and all would join the Taliban and um, he was also um, a figure in Bamiyan, an influence person in Bamiyan. So um, they ran away from Bamiyan to Kabul to be safe in Kabul, but we didn't know that the Kabul would fall down as well. Mm-hmm. So they were in the middle of the war when they came to Kabul. Yeah, and so when their car arrived, uh, I couldn't recognize them because the car was full of dust. Mm. Um, and they went through, like, basically a war between Taliban and the military of Af- Afghanistan at that time. So yeah, after that we stayed there, and we I tried um to contact my university, uh, what they can do, how uh, are they able to get out as out of Afghanistan or not? Because, um, in the in August fifteen, you know, we saw after like the government falls and everyone was trying to escape after, as out of Afghanistan, and there was 
um, evacuation and we um, hoped that we could find a link that we got evacuated out of Afghanistan, but we couldn't. Um, um, I tried to reach different contacts and I couldn't find anything. It was a very horrible time and we had we, we were in the houses of relatives and we had to go through from one to another one and uh, there wasn't much space um, for the families as well. That's, so it was a very hard time. That's probably the part I think most Americans are familiar with because there were still international journalists in Afghanistan at that point. Yeah. And I feel like we have, in the U.S., we have a lot of images of the airport in Kabul. Mm-hmm. Like it just seemed like utter chaos. I mean, is that how it felt as you were it trying was, to get yeah, out? Like, yeah, it was. People were scrambling, right? It, it was. It was okay. a horrible time. Like I... Um, I don't want to exactly um, remember all of that because For sure. that would like has a very emotional impact on me. Um, um, so uh, it was um, it was horrible. Yeah, it was horrible. People were trying to escape out of Afghanistan as any way possible they could. People destroyed most of their uh, documents that they had. They would destroy anything that was. Um, um, like be against the ideology of the Taliban or anything. Um, if they, one of their family member would be in the government, they would destroy all of the documents that they had in any NGOs, um, international NGOs, if they had any link to um, America or any other uh, like countries um, outside of Afghanistan, mostly Western countries, they would destroy all of those documents. And pr- that was one of the, so they tried to save their lives by that. But again, yeah. that was one of the mistakes that they have done because um, later on that the U.S. wanted to evacuate their allies and many people did not have um, their documents because they destroyed it out of fears of the Taliban. Hmm. Um, we did the same uh, when my family was in Bamiyan. Um, they destroyed a lot of their documents. Um, my dad destroyed a lot of their, their documents. He's an artist. Um, he destroyed most of her artworks as well that the Taliban wouldn't catch them and would be an excuse um, for them to punish my dad. So why, what was it about the artwork that the Taliban didn't approve of? And, um, so basically they are against war, against the art, uh, any, um, any types of art that would represent um, certain image of... Um, my dad was a, a historical kind of artist. He mm-hmm. would um, draw pictures of um, our culture and um, two big statues of Buddha that was in Bamiyan. And those symbolized for them as idols. And those who um, draw their pictures or uh, kind of appreciate those kind of arts, they would be considered as infidels because mm. they worship that in their idea. There's not, there maybe are seen not as pure Muslims. Yes. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they wouldn't consider that as pure Muslims right. or any um, kind of, any art that would resemble um, like human body mm. uh, in a, um, like they would, uh, like, I would say anything that would resemble women, mm. uh, men, in a like, um, position that would show that it is sexy or mm. it is um, 
a, a portrayal of someone in mm-hmm. in in a different like um context mm. they would find it um like not appropriate like for offensive. a muslim offensive yeah. not yeah. appropriate so um they would consider that that people as yeah. not a good muslim enough um so yeah my dad destroyed m- most of her work artworks yeah. and that was anything about those kind of art yeah um so uh, sculptures in um painting was before for the taliban that was not um a good art for them mm. they basically are against art right but uh, those types of ar- art was um like like considered as bad mm. it's not appropriate for a muslim to draw those kind of certain types of image yeah there we, was, go ahead go ahead there was the uh, like different uh, culture um taboo to uh, to draw this kind of art mm. as well so um yeah that was like not acceptable for the taliban I most recently read, I know you and I had this conversation a couple weeks ago. I just finished the memoir, Dancing in the Mosque, mm-hmm. um, by Homera Kaderi. Okay. <laughs> I should just let you say the name. Um, but Humaira one of the Kaderi. things yeah, that she mentions in there is that the Talama doesn't want anyone doing art that represents like a living thing, even flowers yeah. yes. or like representation of a created growing living thing yes and but that is a taliban interpretation of like does the quran say this i guess is my question does the quran say like as a muslim Mm -hmm. woman is that a belief that you hold or is this the taliban is is just kind of manipulating maybe their interpretation of the quran um i have to mention that i'm not like islamic uh, scholars (laughs) right right right. really know that yeah. Um I'm in the process to know my own religion. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I haven't heard or read anywhere. Yeah. That would be a belief that you cannot draw any living things like symbolize a, a living or nature or anything. There is nothing about that in Quran that you cannot draw that or you cannot mm. um do that. Yeah. Um there is um great uh, scholars of uh, Muslim scholars, more Muslim artists um, in Afghanistan or outside of Afghanistan in different parts of Muslim world that draw those kind of um, art. Um, there is, um, like, Islamic art is one of the miniature, is uh, a, um, a school of art in Islam um, that um, pictures a human being, living mm, things. Okay, yeah. Um, they would draw those kind of yeah. thing. And no one was, no religious scholar was against it. Right. And it is certainly for the Taliban who comes from a very, very conservative right. um, uh, view. And maybe that is a cultural thing for the Taliban because in other parts of the world for Muslim, that's not a, a It's thing. fine. Yeah. So, okay. So yeah. The Taliban has a, a uh, they disapprove of art, but there's other reason, there's another reason that the Taliban are would want to bring harm to you or your family, and that's because you are a part of a minority people group. Is that right? Now, a lot of people are not aware of these dynamics. They just think Afghans are Afghans. Mm-hmm. Could you explain a little bit of that and and how that puts you and your family in a little different situation than maybe some other people in Afghanistan? Yeah. Um, so Afghanistan is a very, very diverse country in terms of ethnics, in terms of language, 
um, in terms of um, beliefs in religion and sects. So um, we have like about um, 20 or more different kind of um, tribes, ethnic tribes. We have um, about um, more than like, I guess, 10 different languages, uh, mo mostly in Afghanistan. Three big uh, languages are um, Farsi, Dari, Pashto, um, Uzbeki, and Peshayi, Turkmeni, which is like a dialect of Turkish. Um, we the have, majority of people in Afghanistan are Pashtun, is that right? Um, there is um, no official record okay. of the population of Afghanistan. Okay. And the estimation is that the Pashtun would be the majority okay. as it's been dictated by the um, governments that always been controlled by the Pashtuns. Okay. So they're, yeah, they're reporting that they are the majority. That is the estimation, yes. Right. But um, uh, with the recent um, like, uh, like records of um, NGOs, different in, independent NGOs and all, um, that uh, are reporting that there is no majority minority in Afghanistan because um, the four ethnic groups that are like um, mostly visible are Pashtuns, Tajik, Hazara, and Uzbeks. But compared to each other, um, Hazara would be considered as a minority because uh, of the religious uh, beliefs as well. Um, and so you're Hazara. Yes, I okay. am Hazara. And so explain the relationship then between the Pashtun uh, people, which are, are mainly the group that makes up the Taliban, right? Mm -hmm. And Hazara. Yes. Um. So, as I said, there there is not a like kind of majority minority in Afghanistan that would say, but the estimation is that the Pashtuns are the um majority, and second goes for the Tajiks, and then for the Hazars and then for the Uzbeks. Um, uh, because the Pashtuns and the Tajiks and the Uzbeks are Sunni Muslims, uh, then they may become a minor, the majority. And then the Hazara, who is a Shia um, Muslim, they became minority in terms of that. So um, we got the name of minority from two perspectives. Um, went from being Shia minority and then from a Hazara minority. Um, it's been like estimated the Hazara would make up about not ten or nine million people in Afghanistan, mostly living in central part of Afghanistan. Um, we have historical record of and through the history of Afghanistan that in the times of King um, um, Abdurrahman Khan, he, he when he became the ruler of the Kabul, and he wants to unite all of the Afghanistan in. Um, Afghanistan would be a country that is like a border between former British, Indian British, and then from under Russia at that time. So what he did with the support of the England at that time, Britain, he tries to unite all of Afghanistan either by peace or by war. Mm. So uh, the Hazara who lives in the central part of Afghanistan and control over a vast majority of Afghanistan at that time and uh, was high in population as well, they did not have any outside supporters and 
King Abdul Rahman Khan wants to have their territory and wants to have their obedience from the Kabul governments. But they went um, in a war against each other. Mm. Since the Englands support the uh, government of Kabul, King Abdul Rahman Khan, and they give him equipment such as guns at that time, which was very uh, powerful weapons. Mm-hmm. And the other side did not have much. Um, so the Hazara have been, uh, the Hazara and the Pashtuns, that was at that time they would consider as Afghans. The name of Afghans um, is not uh, like applied for, at that time applied for all of the Afghan people. The Tajik would be known as Tajiks mm-hmm. and the Hazara would be known as Hazara and the Pashtun would be known as Afghans. Oh, okay. Yeah, so they... Pashtun is the name of the language that they speak. And people who speak Pashto is considered as Pashtuns right now. Mm-hmm. But at that time, it was considered as Afghans. So the name of Afghanistan comes from the tribes that is Pashtun right now and is considered as Afghans. So it's even Afghanistan historically is set up really to lean towards the Pashtun people. Um, right. Yeah, is that fair to is. say? Okay. Um, yeah. So in a war of almost um, 35 years, um, the majority of the Hazara have been killed um, in about 62 historically recorded in a different history book of Afghanistan by um, a very well-known scholar. And the 62% of the Hazara have been killed in mm-hmm. that war, which was a genocide itself. Yeah. yeah. And most of the women have been um, sold as slaves to India, Britain, India at that time. Mm. Um, but, so, but this is still going on. This is not just historical, right? I mean, the Taliban are still committing a genocide against the Hazara people. Yeah. Um, so one of the tools that King Abdul Rahman used against the Hazara was, um, was they are the Shia and we are the Sunni. So in that would, what was one of the tools that, like, kind of mm. say that they are like they had to be killed so um yeah that that's that happens and after that the hazara was um most of them went to the mountains to seek refuge on the mountain and be there as secure mm. but um a, a, a good number of them became kind of slave or free workers um to the other people and been sold to other to other people and worked for them as a servant or things like that. Mm. Um, and that's uh, destroyed part of a lot of part of our culture and our history. Uh, we don't have much of record of our history, uh, our culture, and that destroyed a lot of that. And even just as of one of the things that I think is tricky right now is there's no international journalists really in Afghanistan mm-hmm. reporting. Right. Yeah. And so, I mean, you have been sharing with me and some of the other girls have been sharing that yeah, these things are happening like this last week. These atrocities have still been happening towards the Hazara people. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So in 1999, when the King of Manila declared the independence of Afghanistan, so the Hazara have been um, like released from slavery. They, uh, he abolished slavery of the Hazara people. So since then, the Hazara was al- always considered as a minority, as people who were mm-hmm. like servant or things like that. And they went through a lot of uh, kind of genocide or killing, mm-hmm. um, uh, persecution, yeah. and then on and on. 
and they did not have much rights um, to attend universities, to do certain job in the government and all, until um, they gained some power in terms of being educated and go out of Afghanistan, in Iran, in Pakistan, in other countries, and they um, gained like, education and they uh, came back to Afghanistan and they um, there wasn't any option to not put them in, in some specific job. And that mm-hmm. was... Yeah, so after that, and it become like still there wasn't an open arm for them to be accepted in the in the government of Afghanistan or in the society and all. And it was then um that civil war um happens, mm-hmm. and the Hazara kind of um became united mm-hmm. um to fight or to protect themselves. And it was the time that the Taliban start um, the genocide of the Hazara people. Mm. So in Mazar Sharif, they killed a lot of Hazara people mm. in in large groups, and they um, show off their bodies in the street and put them oh. in in show to people see them, which is the Taliban doing right now as well. In Mazar Sharif, they recently um, showed the two body of um the former government's um polices or um, mm. go- like officers who worked yeah. there in Herat they have done as uh, d- did as well they put the body of the people yeah. um on the street to show the other people what is uh, those what is the consequence of those who are against the Taliban right to to rule by fear and force right One of the things I find interesting is that many of the girls Mm -hmm. that were in the same program in Bangladesh as you who have ended up in America Mm -hmm. are also Hazara, right? A pretty big percentage of them. Mm -hmm. So when you look at this, the history of the Hazara people where they have been persecuted and there's been genocide and there has been, they were enslaved. So where or how how have you seen that now bring you girls why like why is it that your family said education needs to be a top priority mm-hmm. for my children or you know my brothers and sisters or whatever like talk us through you know kind of how it is that your family said mm-hmm. we are hazara and education is important and we're going to seek that out yeah i mean when you're a minority um like were considered as minority and you do not have much rights in terms of like um, achieving something in within the government or within the society in are constantly being um discriminated against you are working harder than others mm. to prove yourself right yeah. so when the um the government of the Taliban collapsed the um Hazara um people um gain certain types of like right and enjoyed some of the developments that happened in the country mm-hmm. so um although there was a lot of discrimination against them in um, the Hazara provinces the majority the, the majority of people who were Hazara in certain provinces such as Bamiya and Daikundi there wasn't much development although um uh, these um provinces were safe Bamiyan was uh, a safe um, province, a peaceful province for almost 
18 years, and not much of the uh, development happened there. And so people start building schools for their children by their own money. And that was the only thing that the Hazara people saw, that the only thing for their children or for themselves to to protect themselves or to um, gain certain things um, in the society uh, is education. And their boys and girls have to be educated and to gain their basic human rights, mm-hmm. uh, basically, I would say, because there was a lot of discrimination against us in within to, to enter the government system. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of discrimination against us to enter uh, the military of Afghanistan. Um, in certain jobs um, um, that you you would apply as a Hazara, there was um, discrimination against you. Mm-hmm. I have myself experienced when I applied for um, the scholarship, I have seen uh, discrimination. Mm-hmm. I experienced that myself in first mm-hmm. hands. So education was the only option for us. Yeah. Remain there. That if we became educated, um, because the majority of Afghanistan at that time wasn't educated, mm-hmm. and if we do not become educated, um, we do not have any other choice yeah. because we do not have wealth, we do not have um governmental power, we do not have mm-hmm. military power, um, so uh, we do not have um media power or anything like right. that. Right. So. The only option for us was education. Yeah. And for my family, for other uh, families, education for them was the only way mm-hmm. for their children. Yeah. Um, it, one of the things I think that is a little bit of a misunderstanding for a lot of people here is that we, when we think of Afghanistan, we incorrectly go, oh, well, all of the women are just at home. Mm-hmm. And, but as I've heard from you guys, and Mina, you've shared your life in Afghanistan with me, it's this beautiful, flourishing life, yeah. right? Where you're studying, you're you're able to go out and do these things that I think as most Americans, we don't picture that when we think of women and their lives in Afghanistan. Um. So as I said, Afghanistan is a very diverse like country. Right. So each tribe has their own kind of culture in terms mm. of like women's rights. Um, in the Hazara community, um, that is not always the case. For Hazara women, education is an opportunity for them to go and right. study, plus a right for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so for most of us um, who couldn't um, go to school during the Taliban, women um, who were like who had who were married, they go to school and continue to go to universities as well. Yeah. In Bamiyan city, um, women were allowed to ride bikes. They were allowed to drive. They were um, allowed to do sport. They went to university. They went to school. They pretty they own uh, properties. They pretty much enjoy um, like a fair amount of their rights. Right. Yeah. Although there was a lot of like um things that were associated uh, as taboos. Yeah, uh, in in our society as well, mm-hmm. but that was the things that were in Bamiyan and in in um, west part of Kabul. Yeah, um, so we uh, the Hazar women had much better um like opportunities within their families and within their societies compared to other um yeah, like tribes, mm-hmm. although they had much resource than us. Yeah, um, so w- w- that was one of the biggest difference between like uh, tribes in Afghanistan 
but overall in the city of Kabul there were women who could drive who went to universities after yeah. they would get married and uh, from different tribes and from um, different yeah, since the Taliban yeah. took over obviously yeah. a lot of foreign media is not in the country mm-hmm. but I know that you and your friends are still in contact with your family and friends and so explain draw a contrast between what life has been like you know, for the past you know 20 years or whatever to now the Taliban's taken over what's the daily life you know average daily life different can you help me in, help Af- in Afghanistan that? in Afghanistan yeah you know obviously you're you're talking out of your experience you know other places in Afghanistan might be different but for yeah. you guys um i live mostly in Kabamian and Kabul and so i i'm like i'm sorry if i can't really get through all of the provinces yeah, no, that's okay. No, no, those are those are representative enough, especially Kabul. But I assume daily life is pretty different now. Yes, yeah. So um, I grew up in Bamiyan, and Bamiyan was a place that was like safe mm-hmm. uh, for women, for um, as well as for all the people. It was a historical touristic place in Bamiyan, in Afghanistan. So. Um, Women could go to university um, freely, to uh, school freely. They go. They um, had different football, volleyball, and sport teams. Mm. And they would go for a ski, and they um, during the winter. Um, so, live Bamiyan had a, a women market um, there. Mm. Women was as, as shopkeepers, and they do small businesses. Um, and it was a very normal kind of um, like society that you would see in the U.S. as well. Yeah. Um, and, and there was, of course, a lot of taboo in terms of like a hijab, in terms of um, like a certain appropriate things for a Muslim woman. Um, uh, there was this kind of like um, conversation and taboo and restriction on women um, and uh, there was certain like domestic violence records as well, mm-hmm. but um, considering all of that, uh, that wasn't the majority of the news that came out of Bamiyan. And Bamiyan was a city that um, uh, women had fair amount of their rights. They mm-hmm. practiced fair amount of their rights. Yeah, women could drive. Women could um, um, ride bikes. Women could drive. Um, they um, uh, participate in different um, activities. Women can um, could sing. There was, we had um, different celebration and different festivals to travel, attract right? travel. Yeah, uh, to attract um, tourists in Bamiyan. We women could um, travel alone in different parts of Bamiyan. And uh, yeah, we like we had a very normal mm. life there. But since the Taliban came right now in Bamiyan, um, like th- we had a lot of um, women's rights um, defender activists and children's rights um, defender activists. So right now they disappeared. They run out of Afghanistan, uh, run out of Bamiyan, and or they are hiding in certain places. Mm-hmm. And some of them have been um, like jailed and have been arrested. Um, so uh, right now, uh, women can go to school, universities. They can go to the market that they had. Um, um, they were as shopkeepers. They can't 
do um, uh, their job anymore. A lot of women had jobs in the government. A lot of women had uh, jobs in the NGOs. Right now, all of the NGOs are closed. Um, the so that seems like the only thing left is to stay home and clean dishes. Correct. That, Correct. that, that, that is, seems like the only thing yes, that's left. Yes, um, that is true. That is um, that is the only thing that left for Bamiyani women. Um, and these are the women um, who had... Um, fair amount of rights yeah. that they would do right now and I really for a Bamiyani woman who who was able to do all of this sorts of things right now it's very hard to accept it because yeah. and I heard that tell me if this is true that for many women they're not even allowed to go to the market unless they have a husband or a male with yes. them yes yes that is that is true um so that's a very big change from yeah. Mm-hmm. Tal- Taliban declared that um, if um, in certain places, if a um, a shopkeeper is selling something to a woman or, or a minor children, they are gonna be punished. And right now, the mm. shopkeepers even can't really sell something to a woman. Wow! So women cannot go to market and buy groceries oh right now. Right. Wow! That oh. is that is the situation in Afghanistan. Wow! And recently in Bamiyan, um. With uh, Taliban put a track on women, and they called them to come into a, a hall uh, to support the government to um, protest against the uh, uh, Taliban to ban the school. And when the women went there, and they found that that is a track for them, and the banner that was there uh, that, that was a trick. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, they were, they tricked them into yeah. coming. Yeah. And the, so obviously these women, they were so eager to go and protest and ask and demand their rights and the, the, the basic rights to access to education. So they went there and find out that is not true. The banner is written something else. They It's written the Bamiyani women support the government of the Taliban. And they turn out the whole hall into chaos and mm. used it against the Taliban and <laughs> tear up all of all of the banners of the Taliban. The Taliban couldn't do anything at the moment because there was men um, um, from the family, from the women, from uh, relatives of uh, women yeah. there to support them as well. Um, and after that, when um, the Taliban arrested 15 of those women who did that, Mm-hmm. Um, and that that some of them have been emotionally and physically abused and tortured, and fifteen like uh, they are just arrest fifteen of them, and they were looking for more. But thankfully, people cooperate between each other to not tell the name of some others mm-hmm. more. Of that yeah. they would they wanted to do more. So although the people went to the Taliban and and to negotiate that uh, they shouldn't do that because this was a trick and mm-hmm. for women, um, and they obviously women would be angry at that yeah. and most of them are angry at the Taliban. This is their basic rights that mm-hmm. they got it from them, and they banned them from attending schools right. and um, universities and going to market and going to be uh, to their jobs, regular jobs that they have done. Um, so, and this is not just about just about political rights. Mm-hmm. My understanding is that 
there are very practical effects to all these things like people unable to work, people unable to make money, people even unable to eat food, have food. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Well, in Bamiyan, a lot of women support their families and they right. are the breadwinners, the breadwinners of their families. So um, this is very hard for uh, women in Bamiyan. Most of the men are, went to other countries to work and they are the only one who is supporting the families um, mm. here at home in Bamiyan. They are the head of the families. Mm-hmm. How could they sit at home yeah. while there is no other one to support L- them? Literally right. people starving because they uh, yeah, arrived. Yeah. yeah, and Bamiyan is a place that uh, is unfortunately limited to um, resources. Mm. Um, there is not much of agriculture um, um, because of the, the geographical Wow, situation of Bamiyan, yeah. in a woman, were, women were dependent on um the on NGOs mm. uh, on uh, uh, governmental jobs in um and there was the markets uh, the women were shopkeepers were um depends depend on the amount of the tourists was visiting mm. Bamiyan. So right now, all the things um, like the, the economic situation becomes so hard for the Bamiyani people, and they are literally starving. Like uh, we have different records, and there's a unfortunately a discrimination against the Hazara people who are mostly living in Bamiyan in terms of receiving uh, international ads as well. So the aids are not distributing in Bamiyan fairly, mm. and that is another issue for them um, that they are facing because right now if aid does come which a lot of countries aren't even sending aid anymore right and if aid does come it's going through the taliban government right and the taliban government is right fundamentally against the hazara people from even existing as a people yes that is uh, with the recent incidents that happened i can say that is certainly true Mm. because um Five days ago, um, an explosion happens um, into one of the boys' school in the uh, Hazara community area. Mm. And the Taliban even um, did not allow people to do um, the, cer- the, like, the ceremonies for them for to mourn for yeah. their children. And they did not allow their relatives to visit um, the, um, their children in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And they put um, the the bodies of the children into a container, mm-hmm. in just walk over them. In oh. they did not allow people to donate bloods, and they like they have been um people and media report that there is um like about thirty seven children ha- that have been died, and the Taliban just announced that there is six children. In 27 have been wounded, mm. six children have been um, killed. Wow. Which is certainly not true. Right. We have the documents of um, those children that more than that number have been killed and more than that number have been wounded. How that could be possible that in the same day, in two different gates of the school, that would be an explosion and six uh, children would be killed. Right. In a school that is 3,000 people, like right. 3,000 kids going to school. And in another um, in institutes, it, this is not the first attack on the children, the Hazara, uh, children, and Hazara children. Um, 
mostly in the rest part of the Kabul, there is um institutes, educational institutes that were, uh, um the children, uh, the Hazara children from around um the Hazara, um provinces came to go and attend those um to like, um go and study and work harder than, uh, like usual right. that they go to school. Right. Um, so there was an attack on one of uh, the center is called Momtas um, Educational Center. Mm-hmm. There happened an attack in the classroom, and in those classroom, mm. it is about two hundred um students. Mm. And how that could happen that six children would be killed in right. three attacks in the same um day at two different gates of a school that is like about uh, 3,000 uh, students yeah. in attending and in uh, an educational center in a class that are mostly mostly 200 students right. attending those. And this is not the first attack. on. There is an um, attack on the Ma'ud um, educational centers that happens um, two years ago. And there is on the Kausar Danish educational centers that happen and the Sayyidu Shahada school, a girls' school that happened, and most in most of them, around hundreds of students have been killed. Dying. In and the, all of them happens in the Hazara community, educational centers, because the education is the only thing that we have um, as an achievement. I want to share a project with you that demonstrates how the work of Mission One makes communities more like the Kingdom of God. Mission One walked alongside our partner organization in Nepal to create and implement plans that help the community discover for themselves the transforming power of Jesus. These people went from living in caves with poor sanitary conditions to living in a village in a location with a smaller chance of landslides. Then they created a shared economy centered around goat husbandry. Sanitary conditions have improved and continue to improve. Meanwhile, people have seen the church as a source of blessing. Many began to come to faith, and today, about half of the village are part of the church. This is a glimpse into the vision of Mission One to see every community transform for the glory of God and the honor of all people. To learn more about Mission One projects like this one, visit missionone.org. Well, that was going to be my question right there. Is so at the end of March, the Taliban came out countrywide, right, and said, "Okay, girls can go back to school." And then they very quickly shut that down. Yes. Right? Okay, girls cannot go back to school. So there's two parts to my question as we're kind of finishing up here. Is one is I wanted to get an update from you on on that. Mm-hmm. Are girls still just not going to school at all? Mm-hmm. And two is, do you think that these attacks on schools is part of this plan of, okay, girls can go back to school, but then there's been so much fear in just going to a school building that people will choose to just not go? Certainly. That is... um So... One of the the things that the Taliban have um showed the Hazari community is so far is to um scare them yeah. or create a fear to not attend um a school. Right, right. So if they wanted to, they wouldn't because they're afraid of a bomb or some yeah an yes, attack. That that is that is true. Um, and that is the analogy, like the analysis of 
most of the anal the political analysis mm. as well they are saying that um it is certainly um true that they yeah. want to scare or create a fear within um, the Hazara community that they do not allow their um children to attend schools um so far there have been a lot of attacks on the uh educational centers in the Hazara community in the hospitals and the mosques um not in only in Kabul but also in Kandahar in um uh, in Mazar Sharif just recently we thought that uh when the uh, the government of Afghanistan was so on Afghanistan for, for 20 years there was always attack on the Hazara community on educational centers we thought that um it is like a, the the justification of the um the government was the Taliban is doing that they are yeah. our enemy so we thought okay if we get rid of the Taliban or we like mm. the Taliban were rule over Afghanistan this kinds of attack would be would like, stop would stop right but right now we have the Taliban and the power yeah what is now like it's not the first attack right. since the government the Taliban rule over Afghanistan this is the fifth attack that happened wow wow yeah one happened in the Kandahar, one happened in Herat, uh, three attacks happened in Kabul, one happened in um, Mazar-i Sharif. Yeah. So what what gives us this data? Right. Like, right. In in every attack, there is not just six people that the Taliban are silly. No. Or no. Um, saying that. Yeah. It, in every each one of them, it's around hundred people. Wow. Wow. So, you know, there's a lot to be discouraged about in this. So what dreams, what, what, is there any room for optimism in your mind? What dreams do, do you have at this point for yourself, for your family, for your country? You know, what kind of hope do you have in mind? Honestly, that's what I'm searching for. Like, mm. uh, I'm searching in, to find a hope for myself and for my family, um, that Afghanistan would lead some Thing else than it is right now, a brighter future for Afghanistan, for our Hazara community. E education was one of the hope that we had, and right now they are creating this fear among us to not attend school anymore. Yeah, they um basically banned um school for girls, and right now they are attacking attacking um boys' school as well that people would stop sending their kids yeah. to go to school. In the government of Afghanistan, we had a voice to say and like shout and, and protest and, and, and say that, do something. Right. But right now, to whom we should say? Right. Should we, we, we had offer our petition to say, okay, who is attacking us? Yeah. Find out, punish the, the one who is attacking the Hazari community. Yeah. And mostly blames goes to before it was blamed to Taliban, either the ISIS. Right now, the Taliban does not has as a say to to say in. Right. They have nothing to say. Yeah. Uh, is it ISIS? So you declare that you um, the ISIS does not exist in Afghanistan anymore. The Taliban government says that. Yeah. They um, we destroyed uh, the ISIS in Afghanistan, but who is doing these attacks? Mm -hmm. This is the big question that we have. Yeah. yeah. In. This is a, a complete genocide. 
because the record、um, with the different、uh, is showing and is exactly matching with the definition of genocide that is declared by the United Nation. So we want the the government of the Taliban and the international communities outside of Afghanistan to recognize this and、um, as an, a genocide against the Hazara people, especially on our students that are attending schools. Yeah, yeah, but. No. Nothing is happens, right? I, when we, we're gonna close in a second. I'm gonna ask you about, you know, your time here and now in America and and that adjustment. But if you could just summarize maybe one or two ideas of things that you want Americans to understand about Afghanistan, what would you say? Um, I think、uh, first of all, I want them to know Afghanistan very well,、mm. like to any extent that they they can, that they would understand that. Um, Afghanistan is a very diverse country. There is different、uh, tribe, different people exist there. Afghan people、um, overall, right now, is a victim themselves. Yeah. So, the, in other words, don't confuse Afghanis with the Taliban. Those、yes. are not. Yes. Those are those are not those are not parallel to each other. Yeah. Even if you think about the Pashtuns, who are like,、um, are the majority of the Taliban. There is people who are against. There are Pashtun people who are against the Taliban, who are suffering, who are victims of this、um, war、mm-hmm. themselves. So there should be a recognition. And a lot of the Taliban are actually very much foreign-funded, and a lot of yes, foreign yes, yes, they are.、Um, so、uh, they are fighting. People are in Afghanistan. They are. They did not give up. They、yeah. are fighting. In any way possible, they can. Students are attending school to show that we are going to school. Taliban try once. It is a, a ideology of war right now for the Taliban as well.、Yeah. They want to create a fear、uh, within the、um, Afghan society. If you go to school, you would be killed.、Mm. But if you go to a, a religious school that the Taliban created, that are imposing their ideology、um, on the children, you would be safe.、Mm. The, I, oh, go ahead. Yeah, the, the, right now, everyone is trying to find a way to、um, fight against the Taliban. Women are creating circle groups um, 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 for to educate themselves、um, secretly to fight against、um, the ideology of the Taliban to ban. Education on girls. So just meeting at home with a circle of women、yes. could get them. Killed or harmed or something.、Yes. Just that. That just that is that's basically a school for them. Right. That is a school for them. Like women secretly right now,、um, creating circle groups among themselves.、Mm-hmm. That anyone who can who is like a bachelor degree, a master yeah, degree, yeah. they could teach kids or younger women who are like in school, high school, to educate them. Yeah. To be engaged and to distribute books among each other.、Um, yeah. yeah. And this is an effort. This is. I hope that I, when I see the like, you ask about the hope, like I'm trying to find out, and that this is a part of the things that I'm like hopeful.、Mm. These women are fighting. Yeah. Students are fighting by attending schools, and this in this time, that there is no specific enemy except the Taliban.、Mm-hmm. Um, and they are fighting against the ideology of the Taliban by attending schools. Yeah. yeah. 
That's their, that's their resistance. This, that is yeah. their resistance. Yeah. There is cer certainly different kinds of different groups that are like... I think uh, leaders of the resistance include people like yourself, people who are in the diaspora, the, you know, people who are, mm -hmm. who are getting educated, who are uh, spreading the word about Afghanistan and who are equipping themselves for a brighter future mm -hmm. in Afghanistan. So, but a lot of Americans don't know some of the refugees who have come here, they don't know that many of you have bachelor's degrees, master's degrees, yeah. we're business people. So uh, what have been some of those challenges as you've come here? Have you seen a lot of misunderstanding? Mm -hmm. You know, how, I, I want to help the average listener who go, I don't, I can't go to Afghanistan and help, but I can help with refugees who come to America. Mm -hmm. And, and there's a lot of misimpression. So what are some of those challenges or, or how can, how can people help? you know, refugees here? People who came to Afghanistan, uh, to, to America from Afghanistan, are in different, like, categories. Mm -hmm. Certainly there is who were part of the government, for, um, like, part of the army of Afghanistan. There might be people who are, like, um, not well-educated um, or do not hold a bachelor degree. Mm -hmm. But mostly people, mostly the majority, are people who hold a bachelor degree outside of Afghanistan in international um, universities or inside of Afghanistan. Mm. Um, they hold a bachelor degree. They Some of them have master degrees. Some of them are like having their PhD. Mm -hmm. Within the groups that we came here, um, there are people who are applying for um, their master degree. They hold a bachelor degree. Some of them attend a school, like their bachelor degree into like final year, second years, first yeah. year. Um, most of them knew English, um, and I want the the American audience to know that um, do not put us in a, a specific box or quotes. Mm. To we are in a kind of rainbow um, terms that mm. I would say. Yeah. We we have different people. We have different um, educational background. We have different. Um, like ability in terms and of for many skills. people who already have degrees universities in america don't recognize some of those degrees yeah. uh and which means that you have to do college again university again yeah oh, man you know we as you know we have both interacted with uh, refugees there's all kinds of challenges that i want listeners to know about things like getting visas mm -hmm. uh, uh getting uh asylum asylum you know stat uh status uh, getting um, apartments. These are all things that we take for granted. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, you know the, every little step, you, you have to have a social security number before you can get this and do that. And people don't realize just how much it needs to be done. And a lot of Americans can help with those little tasks uh, because we understand the system. We understand how to make this go faster. And if people would just seek people like you out, first off, they would just fall in love with you guys. <laughs> you guys are fantastic. But then they could see, oh, your average person can help in these very practical, simple ways. Yeah, yeah, definitely there is a need for that. Um, so uh, we are new to the system of United States in terms of going through the legal process. And certainly because of recording um, the immigration policies and all, there is different policies that we have to like go through all of them. Mm -hmm. And yeah, some of them are like uh, things that I think average people in the United States know them. That would be helpful for us. We are like appreciating all of those efforts and all of those helps that people offer to us. Um, and 
if there would be more of course mm. are welcome and dear to us um and yeah um so uh, one of the things that i have noticed in universities and all like i'm like uh, going to arizona i said university when i speak um i do not claim that my english is good because i'm a sickle <laughs> well, your english speaker. is very, very good, good. <laughs> yes and when we speak english and we like say whatever they want uh, they ask us and they're like so surprised and they say that like, your english is so good how did you learn that and you're like i went to a university <laughs> <laughs> i know pe- people just be friends and just be hot basically hospitable uh, the whole world would open up to people <laughs> well, and I, th- I think that i mean i know we keep saying we're gonna wrap up and i just could we could talk to you all day mina but i think that's the thing too that i have seen in my friendship with you and some of the other girls at arizona state is that it's not just me like helping you it's me also learning from you and it's just this mutual exchange of ideas and encouragement and it's not i don't even see it as like oh here's me helping you i see it as we are two friends Mm -hmm. sometimes i need help sometimes you need help and we just help each other and we love each other and we learn from one another and that's really the whole point of this entire podcast, right? Yeah. Is that it's this mutual exchange of ideas and relationship. And I have learned so many things about hospitality and about family and about perseverance and loving your neighbor from even just my relationship with you, Mina. And I have so appreciated the way that you have expanded my understanding of the world. And I hope as we've shared a little bit of your story today, that it will encourage others to do the same, to seek out any news articles that they see online about Afghanistan, to read memoirs, to watch movies, and to get a... Most likely, there are Afghans that have settled in your communities. So find them. And I promise you will learn so much about yourself so much about the world just by um, letting some of the Afghan community into your life. So, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. I, um, we certainly learn a lot from you guys. Um, we are totally new to a different environment, different culture, and um, and you have been so um, helpful to us that. In every stage that we didn't know each other, you uh, help us without any hesitation. And that is really dear to us. We really appreciate that. Um, I, I haven't um, like, grew up in an environment to know other cultures much mm. more. Uh, I just went to Bangladesh and that was a similar culture to us. Mm. And when I was, uh, when I was in Bamiyan, there was um, a missionary um, uh, uh, Christians who came to Bamiyan and were doing some of their activities there. Mm-hmm. Um, when we were talking about them, and they were so eager to know about everything, mm. they were so eager to know about our culture, and they were ask everything. They would call us, uh, "What do you think about this? Should I do that? Should I do that?" <laughs> and I was like, "Wow, these people are so so." determined to know about our culture mm. they want to know everything they um they i really appreciate that and mm. i didn't know that 
okay, because they are so new, they don't yeah. want to make a mistake or right. <laughs> uh, anything like that. And I see right now myself in that mm. position that I call people, should I do that? Should I buy that? <laughs> uh, what is, what do you guess on, yeah. on the bad days? What do you cook for the dinner and all? Right. Is it appropriate or not? Yeah. In yeah, that yeah. is that is amazing, and I see that people here help um, us with any without any hesitation, and that is fascinating. That is show your kindness. That is show your cult, rich culture that you have for others, and you are kind hard for helping others. Well, we just uh, so honored to have you here. We really appreciate. Thank you for sharing with us. Yeah. Well, guys, that's a thank you so fantastic. much for having me here. Oh, oh absolutely. Guys, that's a fantastic closing spot. And, and if uh, if I can summarize what she what we've said is, you know, there's a whole lot we can't do, but what we can do is just love love people. Mm-hmm. Just find a way to go do that, and it'll all work out. So, hey, please pass the word about this episode so that other people can know about Afghanistan and and, and uh, that you and others can meet people like Mina and and uh, so uh, pray for them, be their friend, and just keep the conversation going. Thank you.